Welcome to the Super 90s Brothers, Ow. where we do hazy memory riffs on the gnarliest decade ever. I'm your host, Brennan Pointer. Along with me is my co-host, Adam J. Pitzler. And today, we're talking about Space Jam. Ow. And we have a special guest today, joining, us to, talk space, <laughs> joining <laughs> us to talk Space Jam, former host of 710 ESPN Seattle and friend of the show, Tom Wassell. Hey, man, what's going on? Tom, thanks for joining us today, bud. You guys are psychopaths for doing this at eight o'clock in the morning. Well, that's when we're taping it. Yeah, it's taped. Um, it's at eight o'clock in the a.m. on a Sunday. Is this what you usually do? I'm an insomniac, and Brennan's a family man, so it's like a time we can always sync up. You know? Oh, that makes sense. That's funny. I did. I I was up at like three in the morning. I woke up at three in the morning, and then I couldn't really go back to sleep. So we're all in the same boat. One in the club. Yep. <laughs> So, Brennan, uh, go ahead, bud. Oh, I, I, this is my time where I get to have trouble responding to anything we're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have work in Sundays. This doesn't really work for me either, but, you know, I, I try to make it work for <laughs> I try to make it, I try to make it work for Adam. <laughs> I have the most open schedule, so um, well, I have the most open schedule now. I'm now not working where I used to work, so I am uh, I'm a free agent. Hey, so am sorts. I. Two out of three of us got canceled, huh? That's not bad. Yeah. Hey, good for you guys. Awesome. Um, <laughs> listen, before we move on, I just want to uh, remind everyone that we do this for your guys' love and ad- admiration, and you can help us out by giving us those sick five-star reviews on Apple iTunes Music and all that, and follow our socials and like our shit uh, at Super90sBrothers, AdamPitzler.com, at Mode. You can email the show at Super90sBrothers at gmail.com. We'd love to interact with you about 90s stuff. So, yeah. so uh, hey, we're glad that you guys can help learn about 90s culture through us. It's probably not 100% accurate, but it's fun. Hey, I have a question for the gallery here. Um, what years were you guys born? Like, this is a, this is a, uh, it's an ephemera podcast, essentially, right? So, were you guys, like, of age in the 90s, or were you younger? We we, we were born a couple weeks apart. No uh, kidding. In late January 1984, me in early February 1984. So, we have almost the exact same perspective. We And we were both, like, big movie TV kids growing up, so we watched everything, you know what I mean? Okay, so... I was born. So, what year did you graduate high school then? Like 2002 or three? Oh, two. Oh, two. Okay. So, I graduated high school in 97, Perfect. born in 79. So, like, I'm, you know, I hate to break it to you guys, but I'm kind of the voice of authority here. You're sort of Methuselah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know exactly what that is, but I know it's really cool and important. It's a really old, old man. Yeah, right, right. I, I was thinking of Medusa, you know, the, the gal with the snakes in her hair, and she can, like, you know, do all kinds of crazy things. She's too. cool, too. Yeah. So you, like, you really lived in the 90s. Like, you were, like, you were entrenched in the 90s. Dude, I was in it. I was so – not only was I entrenched in the 90s, but when you're born right on the cusp of a decade change, you get to experience the whole decade as one – um, like age bracket, say like your twenties, your thirties, your forties. So in the eighties, I was, that was like my full childhood. 
yeah. then as soon as the 90s came, boom, I was off to junior high and high school. So, yeah, it was um, it, it was a good it was a good pace at which to develop, I think. Yeah, you are. You are kind of the authority then. Mm-hmm. Brennan, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about the greatest 90s sports movie ever. I don't know if that's true. Uh, Space Jam starring Ow. Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. And Wayne uh, Knight. And Wayne What's Knight. That? Wayne and Knight. Wayne Knight. I, I and noticed Wayne when I was, I actually, re, well, okay. I, when I watched it last night, I noticed <laughs> Wayne Knight of Seinfeld fame. You know, he's Newman. Uh, he, his name came third in the credits. And for some reason, that really jumped out at me. I, I was like, oh, okay. Well, if he, because he's like a, he's like a D-lister, right? You know, you don't expect right. him to have a, even a, even a, a primary supporting role in these kinds of movies. So when I saw his name third, I was like, Jesus, is it like, what does that say about the rest of the cast here? But then it's a whole bunch of basketball players. That so. they're cartoons. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> like, do they need to credit Bugs Bunny? Like, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, Brendan, when did this movie debut? And tell us about it. Uh, debuted November 15th, 1996, on a budget of $80 million. And it Ooh. made a total box office, box office uh, haul of $250 million. Um, of the budget of eighty million dollars, I wonder how much that went to MJ. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a pretty big budget, but I mean, they, shit, they turned one hundred seventy million profit, so good, good uh, idea, I, I guess. I'm actually surprised this movie didn't make more than two hundred fifty million dollars because this movie was like everywhere in like nineteen ninety six at the, the end of it, especially like during Christmas. Like this is holiday peak holiday time. Like we're just getting into Christmas. CD, like I, this soundtrack's amazing. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm surprised it only made $250 million. What would the scale be as far as money now to then? You said it made $80 million or the budget was $80 million? Budget. Oh, the bu- Oh, okay. So, and how much did it make? I'm sorry. 170 net. 170? Uh, so, Excuse me, 170 net. Okay. So today that's what, like 500? Uh, no, I'd probably, I mean, I, I'm sort of like a low level industry wannabe guy. So I know a little bit about this. Okay. I would say it's probably. Or maybe like 300. 300. Okay. Well, that, you know, you could do high twos. What, what, what would you 300 today? Oh, I don't know. If you could, if you give me that, I'll write the script right now and get something made. <laughs> well, but I, I thought you meant like, you know, like if you went and saw Wonder Woman or something, you, you might oh, have an yeah. idea of All what those, that would make. They, they make oh, more than that, don't they? A lot of them, yeah. 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 Wow. Well, but, not, but you know, they've been pre, cannibalizing pre, each other, though. Pre pandemic. <laughs> yeah, there like, weren't as many movies made back then. Yeah. Um, so does anybody have a, a decent story the first time they saw this one? Cause I, Last get it night. ready. Tom, <laughs> no, the first time you saw Space Jam. I'm not kidding. I never, so you guys told me we were going to be watching this. I was like, you know, I've actually never, I've seen like parts of it. But I never watched the whole thing until last night. I watched. I cut out an hour and twenty-seven minutes for you guys. Well, I have a a really great memory of of Michael Jordan and Space Jam. Um, in 1994, my parents moved me to Chicago, um, and we lived there for exactly like one, like nine months. But during that nine months, I got to see Michael Jordan come back um, in in the forty-five and. I was a humongous Ooh. Michael Jordan fan growing up. And when this movie came out in 96, like my dad took me and my brothers, and I think my mom came too, to see this opening weekend. And so we went to a small theater in Spokane, Washington, saw it. And it was an, it was an amazing experience. My brothers, my brothers are both basketball players. I was a wannabe basketball player. I just have a, a lot of 
good memories of Space Jam in my household just because of all the stuff that came after it. Soundtrack, merchandise, this you couldn't escape this movie in my house. We had it on VHS. Really? It was everywhere. It was that big. Now, wait a minute. Were you guys, you guys are both Sonics fans, right? I, I, okay. Were you, were you, because a lot of kids back then were Bulls fans or they had their team and the Bulls because Jordan was, you know, that's another big difference. You know, the MJ LeBron comparison that doesn't ever seem mm-hmm. to end. Like that's a big difference between the two is that, Everybody back then, it felt like had their team, their local team, and the Bulls. You know, like they, I, they were like, but nobody, nobody loves LeBron that much. I'm very proud to say that I've never been like a bandwagon hopper, even as like a little kid. Like as soon as I learned that the Washington Redskins weren't my team because they won the Super Bowl the year I started watching football, mm. I was like, well, fuck them, they're not my team. And I was on with the two and fourteen Seahawks. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was never like a Bulls guy. I was never a Yankees guy. In fact, I hated all of them. I was jealous. I was competitive with all of them. My dad was a sports history buff, and he would make me watch all sports history as it was happening on TV. And so like. In That's the, good. God bless him. Yeah, and so my so I was watching Michael Jordan at a really young age when he was going on the run in the '90s, um, like especially '91, '92, '93. And I lived in the Midwest and in St. Louis for a lot of much. My, my parents are from, and there was no basketball team there. And my dad loved Michael Jordan, and he also loved Larry Bird too, and yeah. the, the Celtics. But I'm a front runner kind of when it comes to basketball. I've never really had a team. And I've always kind of loved this, the the stars of in basketball, and Michael Jordan was probably my entry to that. <laughs> Basic bitch. Brand. I did love how in this movie they pulled no punches whatsoever with the cameos by various basketball players of the era. I mean, some of them weren't even cameos; they were like feature like Larry Bird has somewhat of a featured part in it but it was like play that that scene where they're at the garden and it's the Suns and the Knicks it's like the whole team I, that must have been an actual game right and they must have like taken a second to cut away and film Barkley going like or whatever happened there but they just, they spared no expense when it came to including other players from that period yeah, that's a good point. They took over the whole arena, yeah, right? Like yeah. they were they were shooting live in the arena with full rosters and coaches, and you don't see that often in TV film. No, they don't usually go into that kind of detail. The only other movie, interestingly enough, that I remember doing that, or that I'm sure others have done it, but it, it hit me it, when I was watching this was remember the movie Blue Chips with Nick Nolte. Yeah. So in that movie, he's coaching a college basketball team and Bob, he coaches against Indiana and mm-hmm. Bob Knight is coaching a team that has Bobby Hurley, a Duke oh. player on the Indiana team in the action, in like the game sequence, which is freaking weird. And Calvert Chaney and other like players of that era. Um, but that's the only other time I can remember that kind of thing happening in a sports movie. Blue Chips was was really well known at the time for using real basketball players as actors. Yeah. And that, that was something that was a little outside the box. And like Spike Lee did it. What's that movie you love with Ray Allen, Vernon? He got game. He got yeah. Game. Um, and uh, I would say Little Big League kind of did that too, Tom. But um, yeah, I would say, bit, yeah. so now's the time in the show where we, Brennan does this thing where he can't, he can't talk. We we ask him to tell the synopsis of the movie and he can't do it. And we watch him struggle through it. But today, since you're a special guest, we were hoping you might give the synopsis. 
Brennan's bad synopsis. Okay. Do I have a time limit on it? Like, is there an expect- no, no, and there's no okay, rules. Well, actually, and don't uh, okay. Look. And don't feel bad if I if we make fun of you because that's kind of the thing if you're wrong. Uh, all right. Well, I'm gonna try to do a condensed version, but let's see. Let's see. Uh, so, Michael Jordan, he's a basketball player. <laughs> In case you, start. you weren't aware <laughs> of that, uh, he's a basketball player who was having some gambling problems at the time. But the movie doesn't really get into that. That's good. And he he's having his retirement press conference. Uh, to announce that he's going to play baseball for the Chicago White Sox minor league team. And by the way, I, I wasn't, it seemed like that was actually the press conference that they used. Like they had cameras there to shoot that too. I don't know if they reenacted it or what, but anyway. So he wants to play, um, he wants to play baseball now, but on this faraway planet called what was it called moron mountain there's these cartoon characters they look like they're run by this like evil troll looking dude and i guess business is suffering in some way and so he's trying to he runs this he runs an amusement park is what it is and he needs a new attraction and so he's he's like you know hitting up his his little minion trolls for ideas and they can't think of anything and then he what is it him that decides that they're going to play? No, it's not basketball. Oh, he decides he's going to like kidnap Bugs Bunny for some reason. Well, I, I forget what the reason for that was. Well, the Looney Tunes comes on in the background and they're oh, like, hey, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They say <laughs> we need something loony. And then he's like, oh, yeah, Looney Tunes. And so they turn on the TV and the whole cast of Looney Tunes is there. So he sends these little guys down in a spaceship to Earth to kidnap Bugs Bunny, and they do, and then they bring him back to. Or do they? I can't remember if they bring him back or not. But there's they a, come into your, the Looney Tune world. That's right. They go to the Looney. Oh, right. They drill like inside the Earth or something. They go to the like through the Earth's crust to the center of the core where the Looney Tunes characters are hanging out, and they kidnap them. I guess for the intention of using them at their amusement park. But then the Looney Tunes fool these guys somehow into believing that, like, that it's only fair that they have, that they be afforded the chance to escape or something. And yeah. and the, the chance to escape comes in the form of a basketball game, which the Looney Tunes characters, like, arbitrarily pick out from some book. And they say, all right, well, if we're going to do this, they pick uh, it because the, the little guys are tiny. They're like they think oh, they'll suck yeah, basketball. Yeah. That's right. They're like they're little, so we can we'll be bigger. We'll play basketball. They're like we can shot block and swat these right. bitches all day. So if we if we win, then uh, we can go. You know, we'll, we can go do our thing. But the trolls, these little guys, they look like bugs or something. And then, but somehow I forget how they turn themselves into these giant trolls. And they're really intimidating, and it's obvious that they're going to win. There's there's no chance for uh, for our, our Looney Tunes friends to save the day. But they the Looney Tunes guys say, oh, we need some help. And they get this girl first, who is pretty good. I forget L- where she comes Lola from. Lola Bunny. Lola Bunny, right. And then they, they determine that they can, if they get Michael Jordan, they'll have a shot. 
I, uh, and again, I can't remember how they decide they that he's like a, a good candidate for this assignment, but they just know. I mean, it's they Michael just know because, OK, right, because he's just ubiquitous. So he so then we cut to okay, so Michael Jordan, he's like kind of struggling in the minors and Wayne Knight, who plays Newman on Seinfeld, he's the publicist of this team. And so he's assigned to Michael Jordan to be kind of like his handler to make sure, you know, he's shows up where he needs to and things like that. But he's a real kiss ass, like sycophant type. And he's really annoying. It's not it's not very becoming um, of, you know, an actor of Wayne Knight's stature. But so so Wayne Knight and Larry Bird and Michael Jordan are out on the golf course and the Looney Tunes somehow suck Michael Jordan through the 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 hole, I guess, where the pin, you know, sits. And Bill Murray's there, too, for some reason. I don't know why. And so then Michael Jordan suddenly is off with the Looney Tunes characters practicing basketball. It, it was really, it struck me as odd that he shows up in this cartoon world and he doesn't really have any questions as to why he's there or, you know, like why he's interacting with with animation or in animation. He's just like, hey, guys, what, 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 what's your problem? Like, I, you know, Michael, Joe, I'm not giving him enough credit. He did OK in this movie, but uh, he they convince him in one way or another to to play with them. Meanwhile, the trolls show up at Madison Square Garden and in actually various arenas throughout the country. And they they somehow are able to like hex a couple of NBA players into like being under their control, like Barkley and uh, Grandma. Grandma, right, right. And and a couple of the the Lakers out at the the pre Kobe Bryant Lakers, the Vlade Lakers out at the forum uh, are they're paranoid about taking the the court because they've been hearing about all this weird stuff going on with NBA players, which is funny because, you know, we're all we're all paranoid about wearing masks. All the players there put on gas masks to, yeah. so as to protect themselves. I was like, oh, shit, it's like, you know, like the coronavirus or something or, or you know, worse trolls. Uh, and so they get Barkley, they get Grandma, a handful of other players. And then there's like this, you know, there's there's like a we're about what an hour into the movie now. There's a buildup to the big finale where, or there's something also with Michael Jordan's kids. You, I forget what happens there. Like nothing really. His kids. It's one of those things where his, you know, his his little kids are they bear witness to this and they promise not to tell anybody type thing. They're just cute kid cameo inclusions. Yeah. They're really cute kids, but they serve no purpose. Yeah, they don't advance the plot in any way. Although I. I love Michael Jordan's wife in this movie. I don't know what her name is, but I've seen her in a handful. Of, she was in that Spike uh, Spike Lee movie, Jungle Fever. You guys remember that movie? I, I've seen it once. Forever. It's, and maybe there was another one. I think it was called like Girl Six. It was about a phone sex operator. But she's uh, but she's quite good. She, she I'm I'm pissed she wasn't is in it more Sinequa movies. Sinequa something. Maybe I can't it's quite Teresa, remember. Teresa Burnett. Teresa and- Randall. Oh, okay. That's it. I saw her name in the credits, and I I just put that together now. She's also in Bad Boys. <clears throat> Is she? Oh, right. Oh, Will yeah. Smith's wife. That's another. Or, or Martin Lawrence's wife. That's another 90s movie you guys should do. Um, yeah. So anyway, Wayne, then, okay, Wayne Knight somehow finds his way into the animated world, and he is made a member of the team 
and he he gets caught spying on these trolls while they're practicing <laughs> and he gets himself in a little bit of hot water there but somehow is is freed and then essentially the movie carries on as you might expect from there where they're there's an arena and there's people and the the good guys win, but not because not just because of Michael Jordan. Like there's all kinds of like fluky little circumstances that lead to them scoring points, etc. And then, you know, we save the day. I felt like I, I felt like I should box it up there. What do you think? Good job. Uh, yeah. So Michael Jordan wins the game. They overcome the monsters. And uh, right. yeah, good and they, work. They, but they send they send Michael Jordan back to Earth. Actually, no, they don't send him. They they bring him in their spaceship right above the minor league baseball field stadium. And everybody looks up like, oh, my God, what is that? And then it's like not spoken about again. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if if you were at Michael Jordan's minor league baseball game and a spaceship landed and Michael Jordan and Newman walked out, would it really be it would it would be cool. Wouldn't you just applaud? Yeah, you see that kind of thing every day. It's yeah, right? no big deal. I, I see so, that like no, a million times. Yeah, good <laughs> good job on the synopsis, Tom. Um, so, uh, anything you want to add to that, Brennan? Anything that was left out? Uh, no, I mean, I thought that was great. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think there was anything that was missed. I, I yeah, I mean, it was all, really. All I'll say is it was kind of the classic trope of where Michael Jordan has to bring together this ragtag group of looney tunes who suck at basketball and he's got to get them to use like team spirit and every trick in the book to overcome the big bad monster you know rival team from the other side of the tracks with more resources it's like that that's kind of the same sports story i have to admit okay so when this movie came out it's called space jam right so there's going to be something having to do with outer space and obviously basketball because michael jordan's in it but I always, because I'd only seen parts of it before. And when I say parts, I mean like 20 seconds here or there. I did, I was very curious to see how they were going to be able to integrate 90s NBA with cartoons in outer space. Like, like what possible plot could come from that? Like sometimes you see previews for a movie and you're like, like Wonder Woman. I just, I brought her up a minute ago. Like you have some idea that, okay, she's going to be in some, you know, historic context and she's going to overcome these obstacles and she's, she'll save the day too. Right. But Michael Jordan, Bugs Bunny, Outer Space. I knew Bill Murray was in it. I was like, how is this going to go? How like, how are they possibly going to come up with any kind of like cohesive story? And yet they pulled it off rather admirably. Warner Brothers has a lot of resources, a lot of uh, talented, creative people that will work for them and, oh. and get shit like this off the ground. Um, so good synopsis. Let's go through the characters a little bit. Brennan, why don't you do uh, number one? Number one, uh, Number one, Michael Jordan. I mean, the main character, you know, uh, what is that? I mean, do we really need to go into Michael Jordan too much? Like he's one of the famous, most famous basketball players of all time. Um, He's a, yeah. I mean, Tom mentioned it. He's his father. When his father died, he, he always told his dad that he wanted to play baseball. His dad was a baseball player. When his dad got murdered, he decided to, you know, leave basketball and probably have something to do with gambling too. But then, He decided to go play baseball and that's where this movie starts off and uh he sucks at baseball or he's like he's at least he's good enough to be in the minors i guess or good, uh, i don't know if that's the, the case but uh the funniest one of the funniest scenes that i was watching i was watching this movie last night was it, the 
catcher yeah. like is tipping him off the pitches and and he still can't hit the ball. And I was like, and I looked at my wife, I'm like, I wonder if that actually happened. Like, I feel like that might have happened. I, well, I was wondering if there was going to be like a punchline in that scene. Like, I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe he's being overly nice so as to trick him. You know, mm. maybe the maybe it's one of those like kind of gags, but it really wasn't like he he told him what pitches were coming. The catcher did. And then he strikes out anyway. And the catcher was like, hey, sorry, Michael. See you. Like, I, I thought I was expecting some kind of punchline there and it just never came. It was actually kind of sad. The punchline was kind of that Michael Jordan can't be treated like a normal baseball player. That even when yeah. he's up there striking out, everyone's still like sucking his balls. True. Like, and, and he and he. He talks about that later about how it's even worse than people talking shit because he knows he sucks, but they're still treating him like he's a king. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm. During the like filming of this movie, isn't this when he famously erected the the Jordan Dome near the studio and like played a lot of games with like you? I imagine Ewing, Barkley, and then other people. Like I think I heard he played against other people, even like people in the movie, like on the staff, like. Did they? This from this is. Yeah. you imagine that? Could you imagine yeah. being a grip getting to play against Michael Jordan <laughs> after, and being like, "Oh, you guys won't believe what happened." They're like, "Oh, did did you did you steal? Did you block?" They're like, "No, but I was guarding him one time and he missed." <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna believe what happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently those games were pretty competitive. From what I forget where I read this, but or maybe it was on your show sheet. Um, yeah, yeah that, like this, these games were like because, like you said, they're they're doing this from seven a.m. to seven p.m. and on movie sets. Not that I hang around them very often, but like there's a lot of downtime, a lot of time to kill. So you can imagine. Yeah. The, so allegedly, yeah. the story goes their shoot schedule was seven a.m. to seven p.m., but there was a two-hour break in the middle of that where he would work out and do all his shit. So that accounts for two hours of a five-hour training every day. And then every day after the set ended at 7 p.m., there would be a roughly three-hour basketball game where you would invite any basketball player that he could find to his Jordan Dome and fill in the blanks with whoever he could find. I guess they were, like, epic, and they would do them, like, every day after shooting. You know how Michael Jordan is, like, obsessive, right? Every day this would happen. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, obviously, he was up to 1230 at night shooting baskets in, in the front of his house. So, By the way... It's implied that his father is passed away at this point, right? He said in the beginning that, like, my father watched me play my last game or something, right? Yeah. Okay, because I wasn't clear if the actor in the very first scene was his father. But I, I thought I remembered seeing his father in those Hanes commercials, and he didn't look like him. So, but, so I guess... The, I don't think it's his real dad. I don't think it is. In fact, he looked like... Speaking of... This is like the third Spike Lee reference, but I think he was in... Do the right thing. Wasn't he one of the three guys who like sit out in the corner all day, just like shooting the shit with one another? Sweet Dick <laughs> Willie. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Jordan went back to the NBA the following year in 1996, rejoined the Bulls. Maybe you could argue maybe the first super team, him and Rodman and Pippen. My Seattle Supersonics get to the finals for the first time in my like life. Like they hadn't been since 1979. And I remember feeling so defeated that the Bulls, like the, the only hope the Sonics had of winning the title that year was that Jordan got injured during the playoffs. There was, there was no hope that they were going to beat the Bulls like at all. And I was, 
you know, I was I was as big a Sonic fan as they come. I don't know anybody that thought we were going to win that series. You know, that's one thing that I so I've never I, like I said I've never really been an NBA fan. I mean, I, I watch it sometimes, but in the NBA, it always feels like there aren't that many surprises. When it comes to the playoffs, like you can have great games, great moments, great performances. Sometimes a series will go a little bit longer than you expect. But like, it's not just that year, right? With the Sonics and the Bulls. I mean, the next two years with the Jazz or I mean, I guess the the only time I can remember being really surprised that a team won in recent memory was the... The Mavs beating LeBron's first Miami team. That one was not shocking, but kind of surprising. Like, in the, you know, baseball, you see it all the time. Football, you see it. Uh, I mean, ho- I don't know. Hockey, definitely. I mean, hell, seven seeds can win the Stanley Cup. Um, but in the NBA, it's like the team that should win usually does. Yeah, fewer players on the court, seven games. You know, I don't know. I just like the, the home, the home court advantage makes a big, big difference, too. Yeah, I, I agree. I, in fact, that's why I'm not a big NBA guy. Mm. I mean, they stole my team, right? Like I'm so I'm bitter, but mm. also I I'm with you. I feel like I, I don't even care until it's game seven, you know, like, you know, who you roughly know who's going to be in the conference finals and you might watch game six or seven of that. Otherwise I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm just going through the motions of something. I know that's like, I'm watching the first half of a movie where I already know the ending. Yeah. I'm reading a, a mystery novel where I know who who done it. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not that interesting to me. You need. I mean, look, the the last time I was really into the NBA was when the Celtics got good again and they they met the uh, yeah twice the 08 and, and 2010 they played the Lakers and both of those series for the most part I thought were pretty damn good competitive. One went six games. The first one went six games. The second one went seven. And I was pretty glued to it because again, those are two cases right there where it wasn't clear from the outset who was going to win. It could have gone either way, either time. And as it turned out, they, they split, they split it. So maybe that's what drew me into that. Plus the Celtics Lakers thing is always cool, but usually, I mean, with, with guys like Jordan and LeBron, when they're present, it just seems to skew things so much in their favor. Not that LeBron's won every time, but, uh, you know, in recent memory, he's kind of gotten his act together. He's been that much more dominant, you know? Yeah. To further sum up the movie, we, we did find this little trailer for you, Brennan, if you don't mind playing drop two. When the world's greatest athlete, Michael Jordan, teams up with the world's best-loved cartoon character, Bugs Bunny, you won't believe your eyes. Pardon me, Mr. Jordan. Can I have your auto uh, your John Hancock? What's going on here? We need your help! You heard of the dream team? Well, we're the mean team. Ready? Yeah! That sets it up. Yeah, you know everything you need to know. <laughs> you know what else is it, God, I, I hope I'm like not being too pedantic here with this analysis. No, <laughs> so this like, stupid like movie. Pedantic. But like, okay, <laughs> it occurred to me that the the Looney Tunes characters. So this is the '90s, obviously, and like I remember growing up in the '80s. Like you turn on Nickelodeon, and the Looney Tunes were on every night at like 7:30. We know everybody would watch, but. 
in the 80s, when were the Looney Tunes first made? Like the 30s, 40s, 50s? I think that that's where they came from. So yeah. we're talking about cartoons that are 40 to 50 years old. And then they decide that that's the, the makers of this movie decide that they're going to draw from that era of, of entertainment to like combine it with the NBA. Like, would they ever do something like that now? Yeah. yeah they, they would. would. Especially if something For 50 years power. ago? Maybe. I mean, if something had the staying power of Looney Tunes, I mean, yeah, those cartoons were made in the 30s, but they'd been on and syndicated they the did. entire time. I guess, my, my, I guess maybe what I'm getting at is that in that period, that 50 year period, uh, certain like Looney Tunes is more or less an institution. I mean, they had staying power. Institutions had that kind of staying power. Do they do they? have that now would something from 50 years ago survive in that same way where the second you turn on the movie everybody knows who these characters are and what their tendencies are and so forth i can answer that question <laughs> good um i will like well the space jam new legacy just came out and i was telling my kids i have twin boy and girl twins they're five years old and they did not know who bugs bunny daffy duck they did not know who they were. That's exactly but what I'm that, saying. But 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 that didn't stop them from loving the movie, like because it now because it got, we got into got became a cartoon like the the new movie is like a cartoon and it's also CGI. It really appeals to them. And now they now it's like Link asked me this morning, "Hey dude, <laughs> hey dude," like that's how my son talks to me. Hey dude, hey dad, can you we watch Space Jam two? And I'm like, I'll I'll turn it on for him. <laughs> so. I, th I think these kids are going to be now they're going to be branded with Looney Tunes. That's cool. I, I get that. Like, I, I have no doubt that a kid turning on a, a Looney Tunes cartoon or anything, you know, fucking turn it on. It's like, you know, it's funny to them. But again, there's like a there's a built in like everybody has the background, the context for these characters in the no. 90s. It's not like, who's this Bugs Bunny fella? Um, but now, like you said, it's like, well, who are they? They're funny. But, you know, when Porky Pig does his little beep, beep, or whatever that thing is, we, we all know where that we know to expect that, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, they, I would say the younger generation probably doesn't know much about the Looney Tunes. Like, I don't, they, I mean, Brennan's the more authority on kids. I don't have kids, but I, I mean, do kids think about that? Do they go into movies and think, oh, I don't, I don't know the background. Of no, they don't think about it, but that's the point. Like they, they don't know what they don't know. And it, it's not, and it's not even a, a criticism of the kids really. It's, it's, it's more a question about why things survive through a certain era, something survives. And then all of a sudden it, it not only does it die, but, nothing really survives is it because we just have like too many movies too many too many options to keep track of it all that's what i think yeah i think there are very few brands like looney tunes that have, have withstood generations yeah i mean disney would but they own everything <laughs> yeah and they make sure that their stuff withstands generations. that's right yeah yeah so uh, um uh you know that was good about the michael jordan lead up the second character and tom you should do this one since you're a big seinfeld guy mm. um, but yeah why don't you talk about a little bit more about how you felt about wayne knight's inclusion in this movie and his character on the whole it was i mean it was so embarrassing it's one of those things i, I mean no examples come to mind but like where you watch movie oh like 
Jar Jar Binks. Like you're watching a movie and there's a character in it that's so distracting, so over the top distracting that every time that character comes on, you're kind of like, ugh. you feel bad for the actor involved, you know? And I, I feel like Wayne Knight. What was his name in this movie? Stan something? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah Newman. What does it call him? Newman. Newman. His name's Stan Podolak. Stan Podolak. How, how funny would it have been if Michael Jordan called him Newman? Like, just they just <laughs> dropped that in at some point during the movie, like just as a little Easter egg. That would have been cool. Um, but no, he was. The cool thing about his character on Seinfeld is that he's. He's at the same like intellect. He's he's a rival with Jerry, right? Who always comes out on time. Like he he actually gets one over on Jerry every now and again. So like he's kind of devious, but yet dim-witted or whatever. Uh, so that kind of makes him interesting. And in this movie, he's just this. He's a cliche. Embarrassing. He's a, big, oh, he's a God. big, fat, dumb, goofy cliche. It was it's, it was I, so bad. You know what though? There weren't there was cliches in this movie, but. In bad acting and bad scripts, but didn't he strike you as the only real, like, I don't know, character Char of this kind? Character, yeah, yeah, he is the only real character. Everyone else is more or less playing themselves. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so he's like true. the only actor in this movie, really, other than the wife. And the wife, yeah. Is this movie based so. on a true story by chance? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> if not, I, I really would like to hear that story. <laughs> Some of this happened. They could have easily cut this character, though, too. They did not need He was kid. totally That's... unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. Yeah, you you know, he comes in at the end to be the last human inclusion in the actual game that they play. Right. And it's like, dude, you had Larry Bird in this cast. You let Wayne Knight into the game and Larry Bird didn't make it. They could have found a way to, to use one of the other cartoons or something. Or, or, or hell, Michael Jordan's son to kind of play that same facilitating role, like leading Michael Jordan from place to place. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah, the next character I'll go through is is Bill Murray, who was just kind of some comic relief. He was playing himself. He was playing, <clears throat> like, I guess, in <clears throat> you believe that Bill Murray is cool enough to just be friends and go golfing with Michael Jordan and Larry Bird, and maybe he is. Um, I would go golfing with any of them, so probably. Uh, but Bill Murray, he's got, a, he's got one pretty funny moment. Brennan, get that drop. Doc. Yes. You kick it into the girl bunny. Yeah. Down in the post. You dish it back out to the guy bunny. You swing around the mic over here. You go to the hole and dominate. We own defense. Oh, yeah. Whoa. I don't play defense. <laughs> so Bren Brennan produces a uh, podcast with Adam Morrison called The Perimeter that does really well. Oh, yeah. And, and anyway, <laughs> I wanted to make a quick Adam Morrison joke who famously takes a lot of self-jabs and not playing any defense himself. So Adam Morrison and Bill Murray could have been the same role. But Bill <laughs> Bill Murray's not in this movie a lot. I bet you has less than ten screen minutes. Yeah. Like just he, he just kind of comes in and out and says something funny or does something funny. Like Michael Jordan's not an actor. He's not funny. The the Looney Tunes are quirky, but Bill Murray is really the only one that really comedic chops, in in my opinion, going on in this movie. Yeah, he, it was funny yeah. his inclusion in the movie. And it's really funny when he gets into the game because Michael Jordan asks him, How'd you get here? And he says and I'm friends with the producer <laughs> and the producer of the movies, Ivan Reitman. And, uh, oh, Ghostbusters. But, oh, I didn't and, catch that. 
And uh, and I was like, oh, that's that's clever. But I thought Ivan Reitman and Bill Murray had a falling out. Or was that a different? That was wasn't Didn't that Egon and him? Bill Murray? Like, oh, no. it was. Harold Ramis. It was Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. They did. Harold Ramis and Bill Murray had a big fight. Check out our Groundhog Day podcast uh with tom and our listeners my wife and i went to groundhog day a few years ago so it's a really fun episode but long story That's short bill murray, bill murray was going through a lot of personal shit during groundhog day and harold ramus was the director yeah and they 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 never recovered the relationship never recovered harold ramus no. plays the the shrink or the doctors no it's, he's like a doctor in the movie who's yeah, in it for like, like five cameo. seconds yeah oh that's really too bad i always thought of those guys as like yin and yang you know because like stripes and um it was. ghostbusters yeah. obviously yeah yeah but i guess bill murray really big leagued everybody on set like he was having like a lot of personal going through a divorce and he was just being like total prima donna high maintenance you, we do it my way or the highway and you know when you're when you're the star of the movie, you can act like that because nobody's going to fire you, but everyone hates you. So Yeah, well, would you rather have an existence where people, where you have a generally sort of good sense of self and relationship with others, but you're not as like high pro, you don't have as much power, I guess, or have the power and have everybody just hate you behind your back? I ask myself that every day. I don't know. That's a good question. I I get haters anyway, so I might as well take the fame. <laughs> right. So uh, anyway, those are really the only three main characters. Um, there's some side characters we can go into. Um, Brennan, you, you want to talk, talk about, about Bugs Bunny? You want to talk about Bugs Bunny? Yeah, I mean, say what? What are you gonna say? It's Bugs Bunny. He does. Bu- he says, "What's up, Doc?" He, you know, he. What, what are you gonna say? Um, and feel free to jump in anytime, guys. Danny DeVito's in this movie. He's the, like another voice actor. He is yeah. the Monstars coach, kind of the big trolley guy. He, he looks like them. Yeah. Um, we mentioned Lola Bunny, um, the girl point guard bunny. She's who has hot. Fundamentals. She's hot. She is uh, hot. Didn't you think? Well, she was sexualized, and that's, yeah, she was. And uh, the, <laughs> new, the new movie, there was this big thing about making sure that new Lola Bunny isn't sexualized in, in the new Space Jam. What is, have you, have you, have you seen true. it? <laughs> Yeah, I saw it, but is she? What is she then? Is she, she looks the similar. She's just wearing baggier clothes. Like it's she's just like wearing warm up clothes. That's so, a shame. So oh. it just kind of covers anyway. Um, she can't dunk, but she's got good fundamentals. And then like the monsters, Tom mentioned uh, Larry Johnson. There's Charles Barkley, Muggsy Bogues, Patrick Ewing, and Sean Bradley. So oh, we yeah. just go through that list for a second, guys. I'm gonna talk about how many other, how many of those guys have NBA championships. <laughs> it's oh, good one. There is that O for five. I, I Larry wait, wait, Johnson Larry Bird. Larry one. Bird had like three. Larry Bird. Oh wait, he's not on. No, that's right. He's not on the team. You're right. You're right. Uh, wait, yeah. who just say? Yeah, Barkley. Didn't. Uh, Ewing didn't. Did Sean Bradley maybe as a backup randomly? Um, maybe. Yeah. I saw. Bugsy Dan- Bugs definitely didn't have. Oh yeah, he wasn't on that. They should have put Danny Ainge on the monster, shouldn't they? Because he was oh. always like a you know a trash talking little bitch. He's so unlikable that you would buy it, right? <laughs> right, like, like he, Danny- he he would fit. Danny Ainge has a cameo in this movie where he's literally whining and complaining, like so. And Barkley, right? For when he yeah, when he kind of gets frozen there, he's like making that Danny Ainge. He's like, come on, come on, guys, let's go, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you like, doing, man? Get the game. 
that face, such a punchable face. I grew up hating him on the sun, <laughs> just hating him. My one of my least favorite all time people. And then then he goes to Boston as the GM, and I got to keep dealing with him. Conversely, I also ha- I always hated John Elway's face because he was always beating the Seahawks, and then he became the GM of the Broncos. So beating them in Super Bowl Forty Eight was like redemption. You know what I always thought it was weird about John Elway was he had you know he's kind of got like the horse teeth. Yeah, horse. It, did you guys think that Jim Everett was like a was like a a, ba- a failed clone of John Elway, both in terms of his football ability and his face? No offense, Jim Everett, love you Rams, love you, love you Blue. But I always thought they had this weird. They're the only two people I know who have those characteristics, and they're both quarterbacks in the exact same era. It's weird, horse teeth, you know? Yeah, I always think of the. Jim Rome thing mm. with Jim Everett. Yeah. He was in this movie, right? In the beginning. <laughs> Jim Rome, where, yeah. Jim Rome, where yeah. Jordan and his kid are watching, <laughs> like, Jim Rome just, like, piss and moan about him. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> anyway, it was it was a decent squad. But, I mean, if I was making a 90s team, I, I probably would have picked different players. But we'll get to that. We're going to do our own roster here in a bit. But now it's time to switch gears and uh, play the drop, Brennan. It's the tunes of the time. Oh, yeah. Tunes of the time. Yeah. This is where we play the number one song in America at the time this movie was released. This is No Diggity by Blackstreet. And there it is. There's a... No Diggity by Blackstreet. So you were listening to No Diggity on your way to go to see Space Jam at not November 15th, 1996. Can you imagine that? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I loved No Diggity. I had this CD, um, of course. Um, Tom, I famously am uh, R&B. I love R&B and hip hop and we get to it's a constant theme in the show that Is Adam it? never knows what the he, you yeah, know this song, right, Adam? I know it because it was on all that. <laughs> Like I, Blackstreet oh. did a cameo on all that, so I know of it. But like, I was not R and B like rap. I was like rock guy, classic rock. Um, I that's really all I have ever liked is rock. Yeah, classic rock. I, I mean, I remember Wait, this era of R and B. Blackstreet was on. Sorry. Good. Blackstreet was on all that. Oh it's, no! Because they were all on that, and they were they were singing this song, and they were saying like, "Gotta bag it up." Yeah, on all that. Well, I, maybe Man, they maybe they altered great. a word. You know how like used to on like Carson and shit, they'd alter a word maybe. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I they, noticed they, I noticed also too in this movie the soundtrack. So have, uh, sorry, are we? Hold on, t- time out real quick. Are we delaying again? I don't think so. Okay, I'll just continue. Um, three, two. I one. think I'm just speaking. Over, I think I'm just speaking over people. Oh, okay. When um, it does that, we get used to it. I oh there were like three songs I noticed in this movie that came around or came out around that time but I wasn't sure if they were made for the movie like there was uh did they play whoop there I it is fly. in the beginning they did I believe I can fly I believe I be, well I know I know that but that was the, that was one of the other songs like did they make it for that movie I don't think so okay yeah they did well, yeah. my, my my fiance claims that that was from Free Willy, which would have preceded it by like a year or two. I don't know. Brennan's our R and B guy, so 
Counting on you, bud. Well, that would have been, I mean, the point is this would have been a pretty big freaking soundtrack if it had all three of those, or four of those songs, like, you know, spitting, spitting on it. We don't have soundtracks anymore. Maybe that's why it jumped out to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of popular songs were in this movie. Uh, Dr. Dre is, is wearing an Emmett Smith jersey in this video of No Diggity, which I thought was, I don't know. I don't <laughs> like Emmett Smith. And when I see Cowboys jersey, it makes me dislike people, even though I like Dre. I was like, ah, what's he doing in that? Um, the song does have a great beat. There's marionettes randomly in the video. Do you guys remember that? Sorry. They keep cutting to like marionette versions of Blackstreet. Yeah. It's... Like, like moving around. It's, it's unusual. Big music videos. That's like a it's very strange big thing from the 90s. I think the, the like the everybody says like the 80s was like the big time. I disagree. I think it was the 90s. That yeah, was music videos bigger time. Music videos in the 80s were so bad. Yeah. It was like you go to your buddy's apartment and point and shoot with like a, a working light. You know, it was like it was so amateur. Right. And, or, or it was just a band miming on a soundstage. Like yeah. and by the 90s, they had figured it out pretty much. Um. So. What does no diggity mean, Brennan? No uh, doubt. No diggity means just like. Yeah, like, like no doubt, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, no it, kidding. They basically say it twice. No diggity, no doubt. Like it just means like, yeah, that's it. It, mean, it just means no diggity. Like, like I can't no really shit. explain no it. Duh. I, I had it. I had it up on Urban Dictionary, but it basically was just that. It just means, yeah, no diggity. All right. Can I can I can I tell you a quick, a quick diggity <laughs> right, story? A terrible explanation. I have, I have an actual diggity story. So when I was in Indiana, um, my freshman year of college, I smoked a lot of pot, a lot, like every day. And then at one point, like the following summer, I was, I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. I was like, you know, this just kind of makes me stupid and makes me sleepy and I want to do it anymore. And I really didn't very much after that. But I remember I was telling this gal who happened to be sitting there, her name was Sue. I said, yeah, she was like passing around. I'm like, nah, you know, I'm not, I'm not smoking pot anymore. She's like, you're not smoking pot anymore. I was like, no, you know, it just kind of makes me sleepy. She's like, well, what's going to happen when somebody puts some of that diggity in front of your face? <laughs> I was like, the, the, the diggity? Uh, what was she I don't know. To? The pot! Like, that, that's what oh. that's what she was, you know, that's what she so would she call called it. Dig, she called pot diggity. Pot was diggity. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. What's going to happen when somebody puts that diggity in front of you? I don't know. What happens when know. diggity's in front of you? Well, you got to bag it up. You got to ba bag it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and this, this... You guys didn't find that funny. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. But you're <laughs> 80s kids. You guys don't get that, you know. Right. Um... So this this song took the number one spot in America from another amazing R and B hit that Brennan had as a solo, the Macarena. Oh, I, I don't have that up, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, we don't need I would, to play it. I just thought it was I would, funny. I wouldn't call the Macarena an R and B hit. Of course not. I'm making a joke. Like, it was, <laughs> but, it, but it held the it held the top spot in America for like eight weeks before No Diggity. So if you if anybody hated Macarena, you need to thank No Diggity for taking its WWF Championship belt. That's the market. Yeah, and now, and now we'll go to the snack pack, which is a new recurring drop we've been doing. This is where we give some quick hitters on a few other movies that were in the theaters at the exact same time as Space Jam. So these movies were all at the same time. The, the, my movie I have is 101 Dalmatians uh, with uh, Glenn Close, Jeff Daniels, and uh, this really helped Disney rediscover that their remakes suck, which I disagree sometimes. I Why are you reading? Because <laughs> you told me to. You told me to read your line. And yeah, I'm but you didn't. You're you're breaking it now. Like, <laughs> I I saw this movie. This is back when I saw movies. Every movie in the theater, almost every single movie in the theater, and 
I liked 101 Dalmatians. I saw it with my brothers probably. My parents probably dropped us off and slept in the car. And uh, <laughs> and I and I saw this in the movie theater with them. Well, I, yeah, I think it sucks. But anyway, I, another movie that was out of the theater at the same time, Ransom with uh, Mel Gibson. Give me back my son. And give me back my two hours for watching this movie. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you guys put this on the list, but I did. I remember I went with this on a date with this gal, Jessica, to see Romeo and Juliet, Leonardo DiCaprio. And what was that? Uh, Claire Danes. You guys see this movie? Have you seen it before? Romeo Brennan and Juliet. Loves this movie. I love this. Who's movie. the director? He's he does all these crazy stylistic. Baz Lerman. Right. Because it was a weird. I don't know any lines from it, by the way. I'm sorry. I'm, I know I'm supposed to do a line, but I don't know any lines from this movie. <laughs> you can do uh, the balcony scene. Wherefore art thou, Romeo? Yeah, yeah. All right, there you go. There, you knew one line. <laughs> I don't know my Shakespeare as well as I should. Um, I, Brennan? Jingle All the Way. This movie is coming out way too early to be coming out in November, uh, but Jingle All the Way. Or does this mean they just kind of crossed over when they're out? But like, Jingle All the Way. Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, I want to say Sinbad, but I don't Sinbad. think it's Sinbad. Sinbad. Okay, yeah, and they're looking, they're all looking for the the toy of the for Christmas. The I don't remember what the toy was, but uh, oh it yeah, fun, it was a fun movie. It put it put Arnold and Sinbad together, you know. You know what? Wayne Knight could have played Sinbad's role in this movie. Oh, if you think about yeah. it, yeah. It's the same and, sort of like blundering little guy or Sinbad's not little, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, oh, and okay. So my other movie here, Swingers. Swingers is a classic, is it not? You don't like Swingers? <laughs> I'm hanging up. Ah! I'm going I'm to hang up on you. if that It's happens. not that I don't like it. It's that I feel like it's a little overrated. It's, it's like two douchebags walking around trying to get laid. They're not. They're not douchebags, though. Really, well, they're Vince they're Vaughn kind of losers. Is. Vince Vaughn's the douchebag in that movie, don't you think? Uh, okay, yeah. Him and his other buddy, yeah. They. I mean, I don't know. But they're constantly like, getting shit on, aren't they? Or maybe it's just John Favreau that's getting shit. Yeah, on. I mean, it's okay. I, I don't know. It's it's not. Yeah, it's not that great. But like, you know, it's. I would watch it if it were on. That's kind of like my test. Like I'd watch it, you know, 20 minutes of it if it were on. Most people like swingers. Most people speak fondly of swingers. I'm a, you'll like, I'm a contrarian. Like I, I often hate things that everyone else likes. That's my shtick. Uh, okay. Well, that's understandable. I, you know what it was? There wasn't really any other movie like that at the time. You know, there's been a bunch maybe since, but that's kind of what it was. Was Bottle Rocket, was Bottle Rocket out yet? You, no, no, yeah. Just, I think it was the same year, actually. Yeah, but it wasn't the theater right then. No. Oh, it wasn't in the theater right then. Okay. Oh, these what? were in the theater at that moment. Okay. What was in the theater was The Crucible. Do you guys remember this movie about the, the Puritans? I don't. The only, the only thing I remember about this movie is Daniel Day-Lewis screaming at Winona Ryder, thou art a whore. In like town hall. <laughs> like, it's literally like the poster moment of the movie. Um, I read the book. Yeah. Oddly enough. And then... And then we've got the – this is a good movie. The People versus Larry Flint with Woody Harrelson as Larry Flint. Oh, and uh, what's her name? Courtney, Courtney Love, Love as um, – what's what's her name? His wife or whatever. But there's a good – it's not even a line in the movie. It's where he's on trial for – you know, as a pornographer for whatever the law is. But he's having – like he keeps getting held in contempt of court. And so he, he shows up in court one day 
with a shirt which just has like really, you know, block letter print. It just says, fuck this court on it. <laughs> that made me laugh at the time. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So th- those were some, those were some movies that you could have saw instead of going to see space jam at the same time that it was out, which is kind of cool to think about. Cool. Um, but back, to, back to the movie. Um, we're not going to do favorite scenes today. I thought maybe we, we each talk about our favorite Looney tune just briefly. If we had one, I, if anybody has one, if anybody feels strongly about it, uh, my favorite Looney Tunes were always the Wiley Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. Yeah, They're always I always liked watching those bits. I always thought it was. I always thought they were interesting. They showed I, a little really clip of those guys, but they weren't really like in the story itself. They were also silent. Like that was one of the few silent ones. Most like they. I mean, there was no dialogue. Not silent, but. Oh right! You mean like. Yeah, Re- there was just yeah, yeah, yeah. There was just meeping and explosions and and signs. Know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I was always kind of partial to Yosemite Sam. I just like how fucking angry he is and how he shoots things when he has problems. He's an American. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like Elmer Fudd. I think yeah. I, he's a, he's a misfortunate little guy <clears throat> who. Uh, you know, just sort of, but he's harmless. You, you, he's the one guy you kind of side with him a little. You can pull, you pull for him, like you know. I hope yeah, he comes he, out okay. Out, he never does. He's a hunter. He's out like trying to put food on the table for. He's a another gunman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can, me and my red wing take uh, right wing like, NRA takes. I really. Like, <laughs> any character with They're a both guy. lifelong card carrying <laughs> NRA members. Oh, you know, speaking of Elmer Fudd and the gun, I heard when they reshow those cartoons now, the gun is replaced with like a pitchfork or something. No way. Yes. yes. Like no. when it's been like airbrushed over in versions of, of old Looney Tunes that he doesn't have a gun anymore. He's hunting, he's hunting Bugs Bunny with something else. Like, See, people always ask Tom, why do you get upset when statues get torn down? It's not about the stat. Like, you want to burn the Confederate flag, go ahead. But but this is what it leads to. It's a desecration of other, like, historical artifacts. Precious ones. You can't do that. That's a violation. Precious artifacts like Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd! That's what this is about. (laughs) It's all about censoring Elmer Fudd. Yeah. So, anyway, I mean, I was like, I was lukewarm on Looney Tunes. I, was, I never say it was my thing, but I liked them. I would watch them. Um, Looney Tunes was always on at like 4.30 in the morning when I yes, woke up and yes. my TV was still on and it, and I left it on Nickelodeon and <laughs> yeah. watched Nick at Night the previous day. Um, so yeah, I remember catching it every once in a while. Did yeah. you like Disney cartoons? Like their, their shorts or the Looney? You like Looney Tunes better? I hated Disney Channel when I was a kid. Like I remember everything sucking so bad. Like that that stupid Dumbo circus show. Oh where they were all yeah, like, that was like a live puppets. action thing. Yeah, and that Fergie show. Oh, the Kids Incorporated. Oh, that shit was awful. That show was and bad. Like, yeah, and there was um there was some other shows like like the Bears were they like gummy bears or something or gummy Care bears was a cartoon. I don't gummy know. gummy bears. Yeah, was maybe yeah. that was Fox or. Do you remember Fraggle Rock? Yeah, Fraggle Rock was okay. Fraggle was Rock was bomb. Yeah, that was that was one of the better ones. That's more um, '80s than '90s, but yeah. Of Disney, yeah, but I, I I don't know. I largely think Disney's just a little too safe for me. It's a little too, a little too lovey dovey. Yeah, you well, know, back I, then especially, they didn't really know what they were doing until about the Little Mermaid. There was like a thirty-year period where they just were kind of lost. Oh, there was some other shit show on the Disney Channel at that time called Through the Looking Glass. It was like a live-action Alice in Wonderland. Oh yeah, I remember that. 
my like, sister no. watched these. She was older than me, and I didn't like them. But anyway, <clears throat> moving on to this and that about the movie, we always like to go through the production team. And this is like, as a screenwriter, I'm always interested in how it was written. So this movie was written by two pairs of screenwriters. So screenwriters often work with a writing partner. Um, so the first pair of writers for Space Jam, they worked together on a bunch of lame Disney shit, like the Santa Claus franchise, with Brennan, which Brennan's kids love inexplicably. <laughs> uh, but the second pair of writers that came on to do the second version of the script were much, were much more, had much better comedy chops. These guys did Trading Places, Twins, Kindergarten Cop, Brewster's Millions. So what it sounds like to me is that the original writing pair came in and produced like a family-friendly script and somebody read it and said, this shit isn't funny. And they hired a second writing pair to go do another version of it. And it got their names on the credits, which comes in second. And if everybody doesn't know, when you read screenwriters' names in the credits, it's sort of like reading, uh, think of it like like a pitching staff for a baseball team. Like if it's first, that was the starting pitcher. Mm. And then there's middle relief and then there's closers. And mm. that that's how it's listed in the credits. So you can usually tell whose idea it was or who did the bulk of it. Interesting. The trading places in Brewster's Millions seem like they have some commonality and Kindergarten Cop and Twins because of Schwarzenegger. But but those two pairs of movies don't seem to have any relationship with one another whatsoever. They're just two totally different styles of movie. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, maybe one since it was a pair, maybe one of them was the lead on two of them. Yeah, yeah. I like Kindergarten Cop. That's another one you should do. That's a great we movie. We have. Oh, you have? Podcast. Yeah. I'll watch that. That was, that was like it. one of our early, early, early shows. I like that movie early, a lot. Very, uh, maybe not our best audio quality back in those days. Folks that are going back, listen with headphones. Um, anyway, and then uh, the movie was directed by Joe, I think it's Pitka or mm-hmm. Pitka? Pitka, yeah. And this guy never did anything, like ever, before or after this, other than Jordan Shorts. He did like Jordan Short films, Jordan Docs. This guy got this gig, which is a huge gig, directing Space Jam for Warner Brothers. Yeah. $2 million dollar gross. It's massive. He got this, he got this gig because he was a Jordan fanboy director and did a bunch of shorts and stuff. And presumably, Jordan want, was willing to work with him. This guy's super famous, dude. Like it's Joe Pitka. He's like he's produced. He's, he's a produced, music video guy. He made music videos like Michael Jackson and like I'm talking about film. Oh, okay, I get you. I get that. But he famously produced uh, Hair Jordan, which paired Michael Jordan with Bugs Bunny in a early Nike ad, and that's where the idea came for Ooh. this movie, and that's why he directed it. Um, so he so did like, get it from doing one of those Jordan docs. Yeah, exactly. Or sure, a, but yeah. a video. Yeah. Oh, he did uh, Let It Ride. That's a fan. That's actually one of my honest to God favorite movies. I love that movie. Let It Ride. It's with Richard Dreyfus and a handful like Jennifer Tilly. And t- it's a bunch of degenerate gamblers. It's a comedy. It's actually really funny. Oh, I like Jennifer Tilly. Yeah, um, she's funny as hell. I watch that. So uh, this is the highest grossing basketball movie of all time. But is it your guy's favorite? Do you have a more favorite basketball movie? I would say blue chip. If we're talking honestly and not not like screwing around, I think I like blue chips better. I would I would imagine you to pick Hoosiers, Tom. I don't like Hoosiers at all. Hmm, that's interesting. I think that's a really. It, it's not a bad. It's just it's frustrating to watch. Something about like that drunken dad just bothers me. I, I can relate. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I like blue chips. I I mean, I think that movie's really representative of like 
kind of the, the illicit activities going on in college sports in the 90s. And I, I love how Nick Nolte goes from kind of wanting to be the straight-laced coach to getting dirty. And yeah. you get to see the process of that. I find it much more compelling. It is. It definitely is. And I think all the actors, like Shaq and uh, Penny Hardaway and who are, I forget who else, but like they have actual roles in the movie where they have to, you know, carry out plot. And they do a pretty good job, I, I think. I think Penny Hardaway is, is pretty good in that movie. Yeah, as an actor. I thought yeah. so. Um, uh, so I I got my favorite. So can I say my favorite? Yeah, I know what it is. Go ahead. No, it's not. It's not, he got game. It's uh, it's white man can't white man can't jump. <laughs> a, movie, a movie that actually involves actual basketball playing in it. Like it was actually fun. It's actually fun to watch. And like Woody Harrelson's amazing in it. Like who who doesn't love Woody Harrelson in a in a movie like it's great. It's a great movie. And I'll tell you who I like. Basketball. <laughs> I like Rosie Perez in that movie. Actually, <laughs> she's really cute in that movie. Uh, white, yeah, it's it's not bad. I guess. I remember her going on Jeopardy? I, I've seen it once or twice. It yeah, it's, I don't know. it's all right. I, I like what was it? you said. He got game. That's a good one. That's a really good game. one. That's probably my second. Yeah. Um. Okay. So let's just let's just briefly discuss the new space jam movie since this podcast going long but just if anybody saw it the first thing i want to say is the original space jam and i talk about this a lot on our show tom about the importance of length the original space jam is 87 minutes if you're gonna make a cartoon movie about that's totally fiction you know looney tunes and michael jordan keep it around 90 minutes please the new Le- the new lebron movie an hour and 15 minutes pushing oh two hours it's, it's almost two hours long like what could possibly be so important? That you need that extra twenty minutes of character building. It's there. There are lots of like kinds of sinking feelings you can get in life, but one of them is when you're watching a movie and you don't know where you are in the movie, and you like you hit the remote and then you see that the time card comes up or the timestamp, and you're like, another forty minutes of this? Like what else is going to happen here? You know, it's it's <laughs> it's distressing. <laughs> I totally agree. I that is a sinking feeling. Yeah. And uh, one I had like I tried to I watched the first half of this Space Jam movie and it took me four different segments. Like I had to keep pausing it, not because it was so terrible, just because I was completely uninterested. Like it just could not hold my attention. Yeah. Was it okay, I mean we're we're talking about it about a very specific standard of movie, but how did the new one compare in terms of like enjoyability, I guess? I will say that I've seen a meme go around that's like, this movie's not made for adults. It's made for children. And my kids love it. Um, they actually got the point of the story. Like the, So the, the quick plot is that LeBron James' son is creating a video game, but LeBron James wants his son to focus on basketball because he thinks video games are suck. And throughout <laughs> the end of the movie, the, kid, the kid's also in, in the movie with LeBron. And at the end, like he learns that he just has to do himself. He has to be him. He has to be himself in the end. And LeBron James learns that about his son. He needs to let his son be himself. And then the next day, my son said to my, my wife, mom, I just got to do me. And so he got the point of the story. He got the, he got the point of the movie. And now my son's doing him. Or, or he found a clever loophole to get things that he wants. <laughs> but, he, you know, but he enjoyed the movie. They, my Kids laughed through it and they thought it was funny and enjoyable. And did, that's all that really matters. Did you think that the original one had adult appeal in, in some specific way? Uh, I don't think so. I watched, I rewatched the last, my, I'll say the, 
yeah, like my kids fell asleep last night when we tried to re rewatch the, the first one. And I just don't think they held their interest. And I don't know if it's in it more adult. There was more adult jokes in the new one. And I, oh, I really? Funny. Yeah. I thought, you know, new, I mean, kids' movies nowadays, they just appeal. They right, try to appeal like to frozen the kids and yeah. to the adults. They You're, throw a little yeah. subliminal stuff in. The, the, the two things I would say are wrong with the new one is that it's a half hour too long. And yeah. LeBron is just particularly flat. He's, he's just, he's not a very good actor. In fact, they remove him from a large segment of the first half of the movie and just make him a cartoon. So he only has to do his voice. So you don't have to look at his terrible facial expression or lack thereof. Wait, I thought, you that, was they I did, thought that was smart. <laughs> they did that as a reaction to his bad acting or they planned it, do you think? If my, if, well, when you are, in my opinion, they planned it that way because it's a lot less time commitment for LeBron to go in and do voice act. Right. Like you can get that done in a couple of business days. Right. Wasn't he good in that? What, okay. This, uh, that freaking movie, that Amy Schumer movie with John Cena, whatever that piece of shit is, but he was actually not bad in it. LeBron. I thought, hmm. well, this one he's planning to play Like he's almost the antagonist to his kid. Like he's kind of like <laughs> the, the dad that like only wants done it his way. And it's like, Look, Michael Jordan wasn't like that at all in his version. Like he, he didn't have any personal conflict with his kids, you know? It's actually and the it's, most genial he's ever come off in his entire life, Michael Jordan, is in this right, movie. Right, right? Like he's, like, he's, he's, he's so helpful. Yeah, it's like nobody thinks Michael Jordan's this great guy or anything if you really know him, but he did come across <laughs> nice in that movie. Conversely, LeBron comes across as kind of a like a stubborn dad in the first half of this movie, like he, which isn't a bad character angle, but you can't ask a basketball player to do that effectively emotionally on film. Like it, yeah. LeBron can't pull it off. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Well, maybe he'll, he'll use the money to like build another school or something and we can all go home. happy. Yeah. Uh, real quick. I wanted to talk about the Kevin Durant meme uh, about the Monstars. Do you guys remember this? This was right after Kevin Durant joined the Warriors. So there was this meme where the Monstars come down and they're like, there's, uh, you know, we're going to take over your world unless you beat us. And then Kevin Durant goes, sorry, guys, I got to do what's best for me. And he puts on a Monstars jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and then one other little quick anecdote I wanted to say is there's this awesome video game on Super Nintendo called Looney Tunes B-Ball, which very few people know about. And what's so awesome about this game is it's one of the only real four-player games on the Super Nintendo if you had the adapter. So, which was a rare thing. So oh, if like, yeah. If you had the adapter for Super Nintendo, you could play two versus two Looney Tunes basketball with your buddies. And it's a good game. It's not like great. It's not like as good as NBA Jam or something, but it's just one rung below that. It's a very similar style. Interesting. Four people in that era coordinating all that. There, You're right. There weren't many games where like it wasn't a clunk fest trying to get through it. Yeah. That's a good, this point. was one of very few that you could play effectively. Huh? <clears throat> All right. And then, uh, we always do. We like to talk about dumb shit, things we didn't like, or things that was silly or things we might change. Dumb shit. Um, and I want to, I want to open the floor here about the Monstars team construction. <laughs> Tell me what you think about it guys. It's awful. I mean, it had, it had Ewing and Barkley, which, which made sense for somewhat, but like, they're both like, I mean, Ewing was in the end of his career, wasn't he? And, yeah. uh, but like, yeah, they could have done a lot better with the four. Like they didn't need Muggsy Bogues. They didn't need Michael Johnson. They didn't need uh, yeah, they could have done, they could have actually put superstar basketball players in. There's plenty to choose from. 
but Larry Johnson was incredibly popular. Not Mike. You said Michael. I know you meant Larry Johnson was very popular at the time from the grandma shit. And the, the Charlotte Hornets, and we mentioned this once on another podcast or anything, the Charlotte Hornets were weirdly cool in the, in the nineties. Yeah. They were a poor man's Orlando magic in a way. Mm. Yeah, I think it was the logo and Muggsy Bogues. There was something like the logo was cool. The colors were were kind of different. That's where the teal Bogues. came from, like all that all that teal in the nineties. And they had a five foot three point guard, and everyone could get behind that. Yeah, um, but, but the, like, yeah, it should have been. I mean, it should have been John Stockton at the point guard or Gary Payton. Where's Shaq at? Like, why isn't Shaq in this? I I have an answer oh, for why yeah. the why none why none of these people were in it and why all these kind of these side these second basketball players were in it is because they all had the same agent so is that true yes that's probably exactly all the why players in it had this that's how they chose these players i think it's how they chose like these five players yeah oh these five i thought you meant every every player in the movie and that appears in the movie okay i, I see no, no, no. this these five players had the same agent and that's why they like it was just it was easy to the to the contracts i can see how it's probably like hurting cats you know getting all these guys coordinated like that so yeah speaking of that and and to your point tom you almost never see charles barkley with the other four the four of them are doing scenes together then it'll cut to charles barkley doing his own scene probably because they couldn't sync up shooting schedules oh probably except for the game at At the the Square. no the the, in the beginning oh the beginning and the end right 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 but during the middle the other four are always together. Yeah, yeah. And Charles is separate. Mm. But Charles is also the only one of them that's any funny, like funny or could do anything that like you could use, you know. Where would you say Charles Barkley ranks his appearance in Space Jam among his greatest career accomplishments? Um, <laughs> I'm not, well. you know what? I'm fucking to follow this up with a serious question. I uh I interviewed Ice Cube once, and I was curious as to how high he ranked Anaconda on his list of career accomplishments. He was like, he was like, man, that snake costs more than JLo and I got paid. <laughs> that's a, that's a good, great, like classic nineties sort of, you know, thriller if you rewatch movie. that, I don't know that it stands the test of time so well. Like, no, it's, it's terrible, but like, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's a oh. mid, mid nineties, you know, oh, it's Friday so night 90s. garbage. Yeah quintessential 90s um no I, you guys forgot the the main point here they they cast two centers and two power forwards and one point guard like they didn't they didn't even get a small forward or a shooting guard what are they doing they don't, they, they, they don't know I, I see i see your point now adam I, I gotta say i don't have a big problem with that okay um and <laughs> i and think we could be think, looking at something innovative here do you think sean bradley was just the token white guy inclusion like he just seems so out of place, even compared yeah. to those other four. It's like, what is Sean Bradley doing with these guys? That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. When I saw his name come up in the credits in the beginning, for some reason, I thought Sean Marion, and I was like, did he? Was he a player even back then? His career would have gone on forever. But obviously, two a, different people. This is yeah. the pinnacle of Sean Bradley's career. Yeah. <laughs> you can find some really funny photos of Sean Bradley going door to door trying to recruit Mormons in his suit with like a regular sized Mormon next to him. So you know how you get two Mormons at your door? So imagine like Sean Bradley showing up at your door next to like a normal sized guy. 
<laughs> with their little books at your front door. Um, uh, you know what? You know what kind of pissed me off about the the Looney Tune Squad is how Foghorn Leghorn didn't get any work because he's tall. Yeah, he's tall. He's got size. You know, he can fly, so he's got hops. What are we doing? He can fly. Do ch- chickens fly? Or do they chickens, float? Chickens fly. Can he they? doesn't have to though. He's got the height. He can compete yeah, with right. those monsters. But he could flutter at least, right? Yeah. Um, uh, what about Marvin the Martian? Who's he rooting for? I mean, he's refereeing, which I thought was weird. And then he doesn't—he doesn't give the Looney Tunes any calls. I get the feeling that the screenwriters for this movie maybe at some point had one or two drunken nights, drunken writing sessions, and they're like, hey, man, fucking Marvin the Martian, he can be the referee. Or maybe they were smoking dope or something, I don't know. That's exactly how screenwriting works, Tom, let me tell you from personal experience. But then you (laughs) you bring it to anybody that has money and value, and they just start cutting all of your favorite stuff. What did you guys think about the the end? Like, the the Monstars go on, like, a 60 to 10 run to open the game. And then it's halftime, and like Michael Jordan gives everyone the secret sauce out of his water bottle, or whatever. And the the tunes go on like a forty eight to two run to get right back in the game. It's like the actual NBA third quarter team trailing by twenty five <laughs> goes on a you know thirty to four run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then what do you guys think of like the very last shot? I mean, like Jordan discovers he's in the tune world. Do you remember this? Yeah, I mean, I think the. I honestly, this, the buildup to the game was so quick and the game was just so anticlimactic and like, you know, I mean, you know that they're going to win and I think they just didn't, I don't know, this, the yeah. buildup wasn't there. This wasn't, it just wasn't that great. It You're was right. all, it was all just kind of like, they were just kind of put piecing things together there and trying to make something, things work. It's, Ant- yeah. anticlimactic is a good word you know how at the end of every sports movie there's like a big play or like a like a, there's a big like oh i could never have seen that coming it's one of the reasons why i don't like remember the titans it's like a stupid reverse at the end it's like come on where's the safety <laughs> but but like in this it's just a slam dunk like jordan does a slam dunk but he has like his a gumby arm grow out of him so he can make it like a big I don't know, exaggerated tune slam dunk, but it's just a dunk. It's nothing. He doesn't juke anybody. There's nothing really in, I don't know. It, it was kind of lazy to me. It felt lazy. I thought the winning shot came from Newman when they mobbed him and the ball bounced out of the scrum. Maybe that, just... was, the t- that was like the tying shot. Oh, okay. It right. got them within one or something. Because I, I, I must have missed what you were talking. I must have looked away for a second. <laughs> yeah, the very last shot, Jordan sort of like, his arm grows out like a, like beetle like beetlejuice or something and or he, inspector gadget yeah a better example yeah and he slam dunks over all the monsters how funny would that have been if, if jordan just goes go go gadget arm <laughs> well it. yeah well that's a good point because he, you could be more creative right you you don't have to have gumby arm you could be more right. creative than that to get that final shot i mean jordan just realized he's in the tune universe which means anything goes anything and, and his decision is to slam dunk it like he always does yeah <laughs> So <laughs> lame. Yeah, lame. Any, anything else you guys didn't like about this movie? Dumb things you want to riff on a bit? Yeah, Dwayne Knight. I really don't like him. I actually found out that they were trying to cast Chevy Chase in the role, which I don't know. That would have been weird if Chevy Chase was playing that character. But then they were also wanted to get um, Jason Alexander. 
to play that part. They're like, we need somebody from Seinfeld for Christ's sakes. Yeah. (laughs) I think Jason Alexander would have been better than Wayne Knight though. Would Kramer have worked? Michael Richards? It feels very much like all they did was cast a Seinfeld actor so that Seinfeld people would go. Like probably. You know what that the the okay. This is something I was thinking of last night too, but I didn't put it into words. The 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 messaging, like the subtext of movies like this that I that I get is like the motivation to make a movie like this is only for profit. Like there's no artistic value to this movie whatsoever, right? And, and nor would I expect there to be. Like there's certain movies that are just made for this purpose, but they go so overboard in like just the commercial, like the com. Uh, God, how would you put it? Like how how can we just be as as lowest common denominator as possible. What's popular right now? Michael Jordan, Seinfeld, you know, a, a bunch of Bugs other Bugs. NBA bugs. Like, like what's some really low rent shit we can just pack together into one movie that'll draw from a really broad audience and nobody will care no matter how crappy it is. Like that's kind of what this is. And there's a lot of movies like that. And Especially the new Space Jam. Like, yeah, same thing. It's, it's, yeah. it's that on steroids, buddy. Like, right. <laughs> it's every Warner Brothers IP. It's like, let's get King Kong in the movie. Let's get Iron Giant. Let's get The Matrix. Let's get Mr. Bigglesworth and Dr. Evil. And not only do we get them in the movie, but let's plug them. Let's say those movie names out loud so that people go back and watch them and stream them and we get that money. Right. Like, the, the There's a line from Newman in this movie where he goes, hey, we're going to get your Wheaties, your Hanes, your this, your that. Remember, right? Where he like pokes his head in the door. He lists off like all of Michael Jordan's endorsements at the time and I, I was like wait is that a joke or is that just product placement like no yeah that's, that's the producer going there's 50k another 75 right. you know what I mean God. Yep. Yep. it's just shameless <laughs> um, so yeah uh, I, I guess we all kind of feel similarly about that not all you know it was it's it's not a bad movie though. Like I don't like we don't dislike it. Right? No, it's not it. as bad as I thought it was going to be. It, but I would not watch it again. <laughs> I don't no, think no, I probably wouldn't watch it again. I um, mean, I did not enjoy. I mean, I didn't really enjoy going back to it. But I I definitely have very fond memories of the kid, and that's how these these. This is how it's supposed to be remembered as like more nostalgic. Yeah, it is. And by the way, doesn't this movie have like the oldest? existing website as in its original form like anywhere on the internet that it that uh, i just i just found this out um it did until like two weeks before the new space jam movie came out and then and now and then they replaced it with the they replaced the the old website with the new website oh no they did because oh, it was yeah. like in that old i don't mean even i'm not a programmer i don't know what the language would be called for that but I thought that that was strange that it got left up there for 25 years like that. Yeah, I, uh, that's interesting. I, I I heard that on a podcast I was listening to, and they were like, they mentioned it, and I was like, oh man, that sound that that that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. Let me re- let me rephrase the question a little bit for you guys. Okay, on a scale of one to ten, where ten is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and one is Cool World, because that was a pile of shit cartoon movie. Awful. Where do you rank Space Jam? As grown men today, not young when you were younger. To if I had to choose to watch any of those, I would probably go Who Framed first. I might watch Cool World second just to give it another look because I love 
at least two of the actors, like Gabriel Burns, the fucking bomb, and Brad Pitt's usually pretty great in whatever he's in. But you're right. I remember I saw that in the theater, and it, I kept thinking to myself, like, when is this going to get good? Like, yeah. when, when's something going to happen? And it never does. It's a weird movie. Cool World's really weird. It's a great idea, it. though. Like, it's one of those sort of bizarre, like, what was that movie? Remember Sin City? Yeah. Like, it, kinda, it has, I do too. Like, that's the, that's the right way to do what, like that style of movie, like cool world, cool world should have had a, a feel more like that. But for whatever reason, it didn't. Well, who framed Roger Rabbit did it pretty well. I mean, no, they, they, yeah, great, I agree. And and that plot is good. Like it's like this old drunken detective who has all these demons because his brother's dead and he, he's got all these personal problems and he gets involved in this crazy story to save a tune. When it's he a really, tunes. yeah. But what about that scene where, the judge dips the tune in the turpentine. Yeah, that's fucking. That is really dark. God. Yeah. For that's another reason why I like it. I like it that it can get dark. I don't know. I like, yeah. I like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I think it's really good. That's good. Movie. Um, the difference between having a a good script and a good cast versus a just a play on a play for cash, a cash grab. Like that's this. I mean, you have your starting movie is an NBA player who's never even. I don't know. I don't think he had ever been in a movie before. I mean, he might have been in like. Like an appearance or something. Like an appearance, but like, yeah, like. So I actually pitched a script this week to an exec about two days ago, and I was telling him how I didn't like the the trends comedy was going. And I can't remember how it came up, but he said to me, you know, Adam, it's called show business, not show fun. <sighs> and I remember like, being, oh, he's, it's such a reality check, right, though? Like, he's right. He, yeah. And it just makes you so depressed. Yes and no, though, because like I remember my my old boss at Seven Ten, like two bosses ago, he used to say, "Tom, this is called broadcasting, as in broad, like broadest set of the audience." And I was like, "That's like another way of saying lowest common denominator." Like one somehow or another, good move, like what I would consider good movies, like an interesting movie, well acted, deep, you know, depth of plot, they get made too so you know there's room for everything i i, I hope yeah, maybe there isn't anymore I don't know. this guy's point was that they don't his studios that he sells to don't seem to make things unless they think it can make money and it, the artistic merit is very low on the priority list it's too bad that's that's almost just like a kicker you get at the end but um anyway uh moving on getting to the end of the show here um you know i was gonna make a joke about LeBron James being the fourth best basketball player of all time behind Michael Jordan, Kobe, and Detlef Shrimp. But you I said didn't get Kobe? My... <laughs> I did say Kobe because I, was... <laughs> I was thinking about beef. Kobe. Uh, Kobe beef. Um, anyway, but he's, I don't know where you want to rank them, but Michael Jordan's my, what, my t- number one for me. I mean, you grow up as a kid and you watch somebody do that. It's really hard to let somebody else take that throne. Yeah. But um, Your you know, favorite my... or Best. 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 oh yeah okay yeah. i um, mm, you know what i gotta say yeah mj's first but i not long ago somebody posted some a random highlight reel of larry bird just passing on facebook that i came across holy shit like it's not that i was unaware of this but some like you don't see that kind of maneuvering anymore. And maybe the more impressive thing was that his teammates like Mikhail and Parrish and all those guys were so in sync with him that their the way that they received the ball was like equally sort of, um, what would the word be? Surreal. 
I guess. So, like, go YouTube some Larry Bird passing highlights. It's fun. I will. Thank you. Um, <laughs> anybody else have anything they want to say? No, I think I think three hours covered it. <laughs> if you want to watch this movie, yeah, it's they're both streaming. I mean, the Space Jam, the original, and the new legacy is streaming on HBO Max. We're not sponsored, but yeah, you can go watch them there. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'd like to encourage you guys to plug our socials one more time, uh, at Super 90s Brothers, at Promote, adampitzler.com, email the show, super90sbrothers, gmail.com. Give us those sick five-star reviews on iTunes, Apple Music. I'd like to thank our very special guest, Tom Wassel, for joining us today. You don't We've think trying- I ruined the show? No. no. I, I don't know, man. I, I thought, you know, I, there was a couple of lines I was in danger of crossing, but... Uh, <laughs> okay. No, no. Thank we you. Love that. This is it's great. Been, it's been great. Awesome. Um, we really like your perspective. Um, funny, all that. And anyway, for Brennan Pointer, I am Adam J. Pitzler. This has been another slam dunking episode of Super 90s Bros. Space Jam style. Remember, if the Monstars come to your neighborhood, make sure you get all your Wayne-looking night friends to help. <laughs> Peace.